When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. On this episode of Newt's World, the first Earth Day was established on April 22, 1970. At the time, I was still studying in Brussels for my dissertation in modern European history. The following year, I became a professor in the history department of West Georgia College, and I asked to get involved in the environmental studies program, which, in fact, I helped develop. And I taught in the second Earth Day, and then we created an entire program around environmental studies, which was one of the most exciting things I did during the period when I was a teacher. But my interest in the concept of Earth Day and the concept of conservation goes back way before that. I grew up in central Pennsylvania until I was 11, and then I would go back in the summer when my dad was stationed in the Army at Fort Riley. And I grew up going up into the mountains and really being surrounded by nature. And I had a fascination with animals. In fact, my relatives would all take me to the Philadelphia Zoo, to the Philadelphia Academy of Natural Sciences. And for a very long time, I thought I would become either a vertebrate paleontologist, probably studying dinosaurs, or I would become a zoo director. My first experiences in public life were at the age of 11, trying to help Harrisburg get a zoo, which it had lost during World War II. So I had a very deep interest in the natural world and in natural history and in the whole concept of the environment that surrounds us. And in that sense, I found the idea of working in the environmental studies program, you know, just absolutely right down my alley. 
One of the great driving forces in the creation of Earth Day was Rachel Carson's New York Times bestseller, Silent Spring, which came out in 1962. The book really described the impact of chemicals in particular on birds and on other parts of nature. It sold over 500,000 copies in 24 countries, and it really had a dramatic impact in raising public awareness and concern for living organisms and for the environment. In some ways, it was really, really important. We had been using DDT very widely. DDT saved lots of lives in World War II. It was a very powerful pesticide. But one of its side effects was that it was preserved going up the food chain so that if you had enough DDT in the environment, fish would absorb it. Then if you had an animal like, for example, the bald eagle, when they ate the fish, they were getting very heavy doses of DDT, and that was leading them to lay eggs that would not come to term. And so there was a real collapse, particularly among fish-eating birds. And we have had vivid evidence that by banning DDT or limiting its use in very specific cases, and generally eliminating it from the larger environment, you've had a tremendous rebound of eagles. And remember at one point being on a cruise in Alaska and seeing a tree that had, I think, 40 eagles sitting in it. It was astonishing because eagles are really big, really beautiful animals. So a number of people were directly moved by Rachel Carson's book. But then I think the next big breaking point was that there was a massive oil spill in Santa Barbara, California. And that really led Senator Gaylord Nelson, who was the junior senator from Wisconsin, had a long interest in the environment. And he got involved in trying to create more public awareness of the problems. So he took a lesson out of the Vietnam War movement and announced the idea for a teach-in on college campuses and convinced Pete McCloskey, a conservation-minded Republican congressman, to serve as his co-chair. They recruited Dennis Hayes, a young activist, to organize the campus teach-ins, and they chose April 22nd, a weekday falling between spring break and final exams, to maximize student involvement. This has been an ongoing, continuous recognition of the importance of Earth and the importance of environmental approaches, and the result is by 1990, for example, on the 20th anniversary, Earth Day had 200 million people in over 140 nations participating. The fact is that younger people have a very, very deep commitment. For example, a majority of Gen Zers, some 56%, and millennials, some 57%, support a move to phase out gasoline-powered vehicles. There are smaller support in older generations. The Generation X is at 45%, and boomers are older at 38%. Roughly two-thirds of Gen Z adults, 66%, and millennials, 64%, oppose increasing offshore oil and gas drilling, compared with 46% of baby boomers and older adults. But notice that even among the least pro-environment generation, there's still a very large block that is deeply concerned about the environment. So the environment has become part of the background environment of American politics. There's a sense that we ought to be concerned. And the truth is, we have made enormous progress. If you look, for example, at the impact Jerry Lewis, who I served with when he was in the California legislature, offered the first Clean Air Act. And if you look at the amount of smog in Los Angeles today compared to 35 or 40 years ago, 
there is an astonishing difference. If you look in London at the impact of the Great Fog, which killed people after World War II, and then you look at how much they have cleaned up the atmosphere over London, it's a remarkable change. If you look at the Cuyahoga River, which at one point was actually burning, it had chemicals from an upstream chemical plant, the chemicals were floating on top of the river, caught fire, and in the middle of the city of Cleveland, you had a river on fire. Now, you know, it's pretty hard to argue that that is an acceptable environmental policy. We also, at one point, were in danger of losing Lake Erie. There have been continuous efforts to try to change our impact on the environment. And the U.S. has actually been a leader in doing that over and over again. For example, our total emissions declined 13% from 2005 to 2019. At the same time, there are other countries that are doing a terrible job. In, in 2019, for the first time since we began measuring greenhouse gas emissions, China's annual emissions by itself exceeded those of all the developed countries combined. China's emissions were less than a quarter of developed country emissions in 1990. But as the Chinese have developed economically over the past three decades, they have more than tripled their emissions, reaching over 14 billion tons of CO2 equivalent in 2019. And I might point out that this is one of the reasons virtually all current strategies are childish. If you don't deal with India and you don't deal with China, everything else you do to try to change the environment is very tiny if you're talking about global warming, because these two countries are huge. Between them, they're almost half of the entire human race. They are building more and more coal plants. And in fact, you would have a bigger impact on the carbon loading of the atmosphere by replacing Chinese and Indian coal plants with natural gas than any other single practical thing you could do. And yet almost nobody advocates thinking globally about how you deal with it. So we bend over backwards, spend huge amounts of money. Meanwhile, the Chinese are rapidly increasing the amount of carbon they're putting in the atmosphere because it's the least expensive way for them to develop. The fact is that every ton of carbon reduced by the United States is offset because China increases its emission by many tons at the same time. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. 
There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. We also have a reality about the nature of the production of food. The U.S. has increased productivity by over 250% while reducing emissions from farmland. We've cut the total emissions required to provide each of your meals by 24% since 1990. So the fact is the United States produces more food with less environmental damage than virtually any other country in the world. We also have some of the most pristine federal lands in the world with conservation programs that are funded by our energy production and by the sportsmen and ranchers who utilize those lands for hunting, fishing, and livestock. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Conservation Reserve Program pays a yearly rental payment in exchange for farmers who remove environmentally sensitive land from agricultural production and who plant species that will improve environmental quality. What this has done is it's meant that the farmers are focused on the best land for growing crops, are taking out of production the least useful land. They get paid by you, the taxpayer, and the result is you have a great deal more land that is being in reserve and that helps the environment. It's just remarkable how much time and energy we have gone into this whole program. And in fact, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has an entire farmable wetlands program designed to restore wetlands and wetland buffer zones that have been farmed. And the result is that they give farmers and ranchers rental payments in return for restoring the wetlands and establishing the plant cover. And you really see this when you look at the number of birds who are now once again flying over, many of them in a migratory pattern, and the impact of having enough wetland for the various birds to use is just astonishing in reestablishing very, very large flocks of species that at one time were in danger, frankly, of disappearing. We've also worked to prove in America that you don't have to choose between a cleaner planet and a better economy. 
Between 1970 and 2019, the combined emissions of pollutants dropped by 77% in the U.S., while the U.S. economy grew by 285%. Because of the application of science and technology, and because of the right incentives, and because of a commitment to educating people about how they could be more effective, and in fact, in the recent past, from 2005 to 2018, total U.S. energy-related carbon dioxide emissions fell by 12%. So we're busy investing heavily, bringing our systems into line, having less and less carbon dioxide emissions. At the same time, the China and India, with half the world's population, are dramatically ramping up. And you understand it in part. These are very poor countries. They are desperate to provide a better standard of living for their people. And the least expensive way to do that is to invest in coal plants on a huge, huge scale. The fact is that the United States has continued to be the leader in the world, which is part of why it's ironic when environmentalists attacked the Trump administration for withdrawing from the Paris Accord, because the fact is the policies we were following were better than the Paris Agreement, produced better results, produced a better production of the economy while at the same time producing a more dramatic decline in energy. In 2019 alone, the U.S. saw a decline in energy-related carbon dioxide emissions by 2.9% in one year. From 2017 and 2019, the combined critical air pollutant emissions dropped 7%. So here you have a growing economy using better technology, using better approaches, actually reducing its burden on the environment while people live better lifestyles. In 2019, the Environmental Protection Agency actually completed 27 Superfund sites, the largest number from the national priorities list since 2001. So it was possible to have a practical, common-sense approach. Now, by contrast, what the woke left wants to do and what the big government socialists want to do kills the economy and doesn't get you very much on the environment. There's an American Action Forum report that the Green New Deal would cost somewhere around $52 trillion over the next 10 years, but could be as high as $93 trillion over the next 10 years. The Biden administration has already rolled out $5 billion to fund adding electric vehicle chargers across the nation over the next five years. And by the way, nobody who talks about electric vehicles, talks about where the electricity is going to come from. I mean, if we had every electric vehicle on the road that people would like to have, California would see the entire grid break down and you wouldn't have any electric lights because we're not talking about how are you going to invest both in the production of electricity, where's it going to come from? I would argue that if you're willing to talk about a next generation modular small nuclear power system, that makes some sense. And that could actually work. But if you're going to talk about providing the electricity for, you know, 50 or 100 million electric cars through purely green wind and solar, it's not going to happen. In fact, Great Britain just discovered recently that when the wind stops, it turns out the windmill stops. This came as a huge shock because they had relied so heavily on wind power. And nobody had said, what are we going to do if the wind power disappears? So, You know, the Biden administration, faced with a dramatic rise in gasoline prices, wants to have a 50% increase 
of new vehicle sales that are electric by 2030. They claim that would reduce the transportation-related emissions and help put the U.S. on a path to net zero emissions by no later than 2050. My question is, where's the electricity coming from? What kind of system are you going to use? What does it take to build the grid? Remember, building an electric grid takes energy. Building a windmill takes energy. A lot of these things also, by the way, require the use of exotic minerals and are much more complicated than, than people think. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. (sighs) <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Republican side, leader Kevin McCarthy and the House Republicans created an energy innovation agenda where they introduced nearly three dozen bills on energy innovation, clean energy infrastructure, natural solutions, and conservation. According to the Energy Innovation Agenda website, quote, unlike expensive haphazard proposals like the Green New Deal, this legislation will have an immediate lasting impact on Earth's changing climate without sacrificing American jobs, 
or our competitiveness. They introduced several bills focusing on nuclear power and nuclear energy, which I think is the absolute key to breaking out on carbon production. If you're really serious about minimizing carbon production, not just for the U.S., but for China and India, you want to have, first of all, the maximum use of natural gas, and second, the maximum use of modular, new, very safe, electric generating nuclear power systems. These technologies exist. It's very clear they work. They are extraordinarily stable. They're much simpler than the old gigantic systems of the past, and they are clearly a major part of the future. So, for example, Representative Patrick McHenry introduced the International Nuclear Energy Financing Act. This bill would establish forest conservation practices through management, reforestation, and utilization to lead to the sequestration of greenhouse gases and for other purposes. Representative Richard Hudson introduced the Advanced Nuclear Deployment Act. This bill would set forth requirements to provide for the rapid deployment of these new modular nuclear reactors. Representative Bill Johnson introduced the Strengthening American Nuclear Competitiveness Act. This bill would require expedited consideration of certain nuclear technology exports. Representative Robert Latta introduced the Nuclear Prosperity and Security Act. This bill would establish and operate a uranium reserve to ensure the availability of uranium mined in the United States. You know, I believe when you look around the world, as of 2022, there were 55 nuclear reactors under construction, 15 of them in China, six in India, four in South Korea, four in Russia, and only two in the United States. And yet we created the nuclear power industry. We know that you can build extraordinarily safe nuclear power facilities, and you can, in fact, generate energy for electric cars or for your air conditioning or whatever you want with virtually no carbon. And so it is, in the long run, a major breakthrough. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, quote, unlike fossil fuel-fired power plants, nuclear reactors do not produce air pollution or carbon dioxide. According to the Nuclear Energy Institute, quote, every year, nuclear-generated electricity saves our atmosphere from more than 470 million metric tons of carbon dioxide emissions that would otherwise come from fossil fuels. So if you're serious about reducing the carbon imprint, and if you're serious about having electric cars, in the long run, you will be forced to look at modular nuclear energy plants and these new models. Now, there are several other steps towards energy innovation. Representative Kathy McMorris-Rogers introduced the Hydropower Clean Energy Future Act to modernize the hydropower licensing process and promote the next generation of hydropower projects. Representative Greg Pence introduced the Clean Energy Hydrogen Innovation Act to expand the types of hydrogen projects that are eligible for loan guarantees from the Department of Energy. Representative Dave McKinley introduced the Innovation Act which would amend Title 17 of the Energy Policy Act of 2005 relating to the eligibility for loan guarantees for carbon capture, utilization, and storage projects. In other words, there's a whole philosophy that says one technique is to put less carbon in the atmosphere. Another technique is to figure out technologies that take carbon out of the atmosphere and store them or use them for other purposes. Iceland has been a real leader in, for example, taking carbon out of the atmosphere 
and turning it into building materials. Representative Michael Waltz introduced the American Critical Mineral Independence Act of 2021 to provide support for a domestic supply of critical minerals, establish deadlines to complete the environmental review of critical mineral projects on federal land. And by the way, critical minerals become a very big deal if you're worried about China, because far too many of them today are being produced only in China or primarily in China or in China and Russia. And so there's a real vulnerability for the U.S. in that area. Representative Frank Lucas introduced the Securing American Leadership in Science and Technology Act, which would authorize programs, projects, and activities focused on energy science research. Now, I think the point of all this is that you can develop new technologies, new approaches. That's what we've been doing for several centuries now. And the result is that we produce more food with fewer farmers, with less impact on the environment. We produce more manufactured products with fewer people, with less impact on the environment. And we have historically used science and technology powered by entrepreneurship within a free market framework to enable us to invent over and over and over again new and better approaches. And I think that these bills are steps in that direction. But in addition, there are several really exciting bills about conservation solutions that involve the natural world. Representative Bruce Westerman introduced the Trillion Trees Act, which has 102 co-sponsors, both Democrats and Republicans. This is one of my favorites. If you look at a map of North and South Korea, South Korea is filled with forests. North Korea isn't because it's so poor they've been cutting down the trees. If you look at a map of the Middle East, Israel is filled with forest because they have, in fact, had a program to go out and create forests. Now, if you plant enough trees, they absorb carbon. They also produce, actually, better environment for rain. And so, as a result, you can reclaim large parts of the desert by the gradual process of introducing more and more trees. And that's where Representative Westerman's program on planting a trillion trees, which is a lot of trees, really would have a huge change impact. Representative Cliff Benz introduced the SOS for Seedling Act, which would address the nationwide shortage of tree seedlings. I'll bet you didn't know that we have a shortage of seedlings, but we do. And this is a step in the direction of solving that. Representative Doug LaMalfa introduced the Restore Act, which would require the U.S. Department of Agriculture to select a forest landscape in the state to conduct a forest landscaping project. And Representative Dusty Johnson introduced the FIRE Act, which will provide for salvage activities after a wildfire is contained to certain national forest system lands. If you look at the great forest fires, they're almost all caused by really stupid policies. Historically, we had lots of relatively small fires, and those small fires cleaned out the underbrush. And as a result, there were almost never really giant, extremely hot fires. I first encountered this when I was speaker, and I went on a field trip in Idaho, and they were showing me an area where these giant Douglas fir trees had been damaged by fire, which they said historically would never have happened. But it required a really dumb environmentalist policy of not clearing out the underbrush. And the result was that the fires grew so hot that even these giant trees that had historically survived mild wildfires found themselves being damaged because the heat was so much greater than it should have been. I also happened to be in. Arizona, looking at a huge stand, hundreds and hundreds of square miles of trees, which had been killed 
by a particular beetle. And again, the policies were don't take down the trees, don't try to stop the beetles. The result is you end up with a huge number of dead trees, all of whom become part of an enormous fire and cause tremendous damage. So if you were to look around the country, you'd be shocked how many of the worst forest fires are in fact caused by really bad environmental policies that fundamentally violate everything we've learned about conservation in the last 150 years. So I look at Earth Day and I think to myself that in the period that we've had over the last 52 years, the truth is, in many ways, we're much better off. We have saved a number of endangered species. You may have seen the picture on Fox of the seven-foot alligator that was running around at a Taco Bell. And, you know, alligators were almost endangered. And now they've come back so much that they're kind of a nuisance. You see this happening again and again. We've had an intelligent approach to dealing with the environment, to save endangered species, to save beautiful areas of wildlife and wilderness, and to try to find ways that we can have human beings cohabiting with nature in a way that makes our lives dramatically better. I've written recently about the work along the Chattahoochee that my daughter Jackie has been involved with for the last 15 years. I've been involved with the Chattahoochee since the early 1970s. The river is now cleaner. It has parks all along the river. In fact, they'll eventually have over 100 miles of parks. It's one of the most heavily visited rivers in the United States. And it's a great quality of life. And it's a great area where people can swim and fish and canoe. And it's the way we can find a way to live together. We are a part of our environment. And if we are good stewards of that environment, we're going to have a much better life living in a much better environment. And I would like to think that that's what Earth Day tries to get across to people, that it is worthwhile to think through how we can improve what we're doing. It is worthwhile to find ways not just to have a good environment with a bad economy or a good economy with a bad environment, but how do we develop a win-win so that we have a great economy in a great environment and have a quality of life that is truly what we want to give to our children and grandchildren. Thank you for listening. I hope that this podcast has given you a little bit of insight into the environmental movement and into what we've been doing over the years. I am deeply committed to a balanced, scientifically-based approach, and I really do believe that we have the capacity to both solve our problems and to have a great economy and a great environment, and I think that's what we should be striving for. Thank you for listening. You can read more about Earth Day and current Republican environmental proposals on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.